Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of the Heat Check, it is our free agent extravaganza brought here on Odyssey. We are live, live from an undisclosed location. I will let you know that I am going to Las Vegas tomorrow. We're going to be at Summer League. We're going to be doing some interviews. We're going to be just tracking down people left and right. But in the meantime, we are going to break down some of these free agents signing some of these trades, what they mean for their teams, the underrated ones, the overrated ones. And yes, even though they're not free agents, that means Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook too. Getting packed for Summer League as we speak. Don't look at my face. I'm looking a mess. Brock, my man, drop that beat. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available Dual wireless charging pads, so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I'm trying to look at Brock. I'm trying to look at my notes at the same time. It's just not quite the same situation. Let's start today's show by saying today's a good day for Kyrie Irving to be traded to the Lakers. Let's start today's show by saying today is a great day for Kevin Durant to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. Let's start off today by saying today is a great day to see Russell Westbrook anywhere else besides L.A. Let's be honest, it's not working. And I want to see him suffer. I want to know. I don't. I don't. But I do want to know what he does if he goes somewhere else. And I don't think he's going to spend one moment in a Nets uniform. I just don't see it. Also, the teardown is complete. It's happening. Let's get Donovan Mitchell to be the bad guy and request out. Now, like, it's happening. But before we get started, a couple of notes around the league. There's a couple of news Items happening. Jody Allen, current owner of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, what do I say that hasn't already been said? Jody, sell the damn team. We know you don't care about this team. She put this tweet out 
Let me go look for it real quick, Brock, because it is just outrageous. Jody Allen, for you to have the gall to say what you said makes no sense. This is what she said. As chair of both the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Seahawks, my long-term focus is building championship teams that our communities are proud of. Like my brother Paul, I trust and expect our leaders and coaches to build winning teams. <laughs> That's such a shady comment about Seattle and, and Portland and free vault. As we've stated before, neither of the teams is for sale and that there are no sales discussions happening. A time will come that given changes, given Paul's plans to dedicate the vast, that's a typo. A time will come when that changes, given Paul's plans to dedicate the vast majority of his wealth to philanthropy, but estates of this size and complexity can take 10 to 20 years to wind down. There is no preordained timeline by which the teams must be sold. Until then, my focus and that of our teams is on winning. That is such a lie. That's such a lie. Just sell the team to Phil Knight. By all means, just get rid of this thing. We know you don't care. We know you don't know anything about sports, Jody. Paul Allen, let's be honest. Paul Allen never invited one athlete to any of his parties. He was all musicians and actors and people in the entertainment field. He saw the athletes as like something else, not to be mixed. Sell the team, Jody. I don't know what's going on. As a Portland Trailblazer fan, for her to try to tell me she's going to hold my team hostage for 20 years is something I don't know if I can stand for. Like, that just needs to get fixed ASAP, Rocky. I don't know. Just like Brian Windhorst would say, what was she saying that for? Why would she do that? I don't know. Uh, moving on, I've been thinking more about the Rudy Gobert trade. I have. And I think, wow, that is a tremendous amount of picks that Minnesota had to give up. I'm starting to understand that we must trust in Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly is the one who identified Rudy Gobert, who ended up going to Utah and not Denver. Tim Connolly's first order of business is to turn, not turn, I would say put Carl Anthony Towns in a situation where he doesn't have to be what he isn't. Right, Carl Anthony Towns is a four, masquerading in a five's body. He doesn't want to be the rim protector. He doesn't want to have to deal with anchoring a defense and getting in foul trouble, then limiting his offensive weaponry. Weaponry. He is kind of soft. So to put him in a position where he's supposed to be the tough guy and the guy who to protect your team, bad. And it shows me that Tim Connolly is all about providing Rudy with the pieces that he needs to be successful around. So I actually like the move. And, I, and we'll talk more about what Minnesota did later because I think they might be one of the most underrated teams in terms of the moves that they made this offseason. And I think that they might be a team as a dark horse in the West. I know. That's crazy to say. They could be this year's Dallas. I'm saying it now. They could be the team that comes out of nowhere and makes it to the Western Conference Finals. They're going to be insanely difficult to deal with. Uh, Minnesota now, first rounders, they're like, what do we care? Honestly, we've got first rounders in the 20s now. It's not like these are lottery picks. There was a new article that came out on ESPN Plus 
I'll tell you what it said if you don't have it. It's basically like if you don't have picks 1 through 15, what you have is a bench guy. So are you willing to give up five bench guys for a defensive player, two-time defensive player of the year? Yes. Overwhelmingly, yes. Minnesota's not a lottery team anymore. They're a team that's going to the playoffs. They have a really good coach. They've got a front office and new ownership group that's trying to make them contend or at least make it to the second round of the playoffs. Do you think the second round of the playoffs gets you picks one through 15? No, sir, it does not. So who cares? As they would say in the biz, fuck them picks. That's what uh, Les Need said. Fuck them picks. Let's go out and get OBJ. Let's go out and get Matthew Stafford. Let's go out and get Von Miller. And let's go out and get something for those fingers. Let's go out and get something for those fingers, folks. So that's really interesting to me because for every Bones Highland, for every Tyrese Maxey, there are five Zeke Najis. There are five Malachi Flynn's. And the Gobert Gobert trade, really, I call him Gobert. The Gobert trade, really, for me, is all about Cat. And that is something that we can talk about at a different time, is what, if the Lakers were smart, they would do for Anthony Davis. Shocker, little hot take that I just thought of right this second. If the Lakers cared about their team, they'd trade LeBron James. Yes, they would. They would build around street clothes. They would build around skin of skin of paper, bones of glass, Anthony Davis, and they'd find him a big rim protector like DeAndre Ayton or Rob Williams or one of those. But they won't because they care about money because they're broke. Like all family businesses, the next generation more and more cheap, cheaper than the last, Brock. All right, let's move on. Underrated. I can't hear you laugh, which sucks. Underrated free agent signings. Uh, in trades. To me, the most under-the-radar team is Denver. Like, they're not the best free agent team or signing team, but they're the most, like, under-the-radar. How much better, we don't know, but they did make moves. What they did, traded Will the Thrill Barton. They traded Monte Morris. They got KCP back. Who, let's be honest, KCP is basically going to step in in case MPJ isn't fully healthy. A wing who can get threes, who can slash, stand in the corner. Not to say that's what MPJ does, but you kind of need somebody on the perimeter if he's not healthy. Uh, They signed DeAndre Jordan, low-key, kind of rim protector signing. How much legs and knees and ankles does he have? Not sure, but it doesn't really matter. Just stand there like Hassan Whiteside. Uh, They also picked up Bruce Brown. Interesting. (laughs) The delay, the laugh delay, amazing. Um... They picked up Bruce Brown, two years, $16 million. And I think that helps him. I think that helps him play small ball five. He solidifies Denver as having done something. Like if he wouldn't have picked up Bruce Brown, they're basically saying we're okay with getting worse, right? Denver's done something interesting in getting a guy who's very versatile. He can rebound. He can get assists. He had two games in the first round of the playoffs where he had 20 plus points. And he had like almost 10 rebounds in those games. And you add him to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and a two-time MVP alongside Aaron Gordon. This team could be really, really interesting. And, and they have something now that's very hard to find. Malleability. The ability to shape-shift your lineup depending on your opponent. The ability to go big or small. Or big or small. That you can't tell with my hands, but I did the wrong way. I, I went small, big. 
Anyway, I think this team is interesting. And I think that it shows that they're thinking about the postseason and they're not really thinking about the regular season because you can be a four or five seed and still go a long way. We saw that with Dallas. We've seen that with teams like Portland. We've seen that with teams like Denver in the past. He cuts really well, Bruce. He defends really well. He can score. Like I said, he averaged 14, five and three in the Boston series with 23 and 26 in two games. Up from eight, four and two in the previous playoffs. And Brown to me is one of the few, few signings you can actually tell your fan base, listen, we're actually trying to do something. Make no mistake. This is a move to say we have to be more versatile on defense. Bruce can, can guard one through five when Jokic is not on the floor. So that's very interesting to me. Number two, Boston. Malcolm Brogdon is a very interesting trade. It helps them immensely. I'm going to say it. If Boston had Malcolm Brogdon on this team against the Warriors, I think they might have won. That's how important someone like Malcolm Brogdon is. He's a real point guard who can truly play make. He can be consistent in the perimeter as a scorer. He's a really good deep three-point shooter. He's de- decent on on-ball defense. He's 6'5". He's like what you would want Peyton Pritchard to do, but he's going to get cooked, right? Peyton Pritchard became a liability on defense. Malcolm Brogdon's not a liability on defense, but he can do even more offensively than Peyton Pritchard can do because he's much bigger, and he's just more of a vet, right? He's very composed. He's very safe. He's a very sure-handed, late-game point guard which is exactly the opposite of Marcus Smart, who makes wildly crazy decisions. He shoots well from three, really slept on. 42% on catch and shoot threes. And he's going to get a huge number of open looks too. He's 6'5", physical, much more versatile uh, as an option than somebody like Peyton Pritchard. And like I said, this team with, with Brogdon wins it all last year, I think. I think so. Not just because of defense, but because he has 1.8 turnovers per game in his career. And on a team that literally was averaging like 20, 20 playoff turnovers against the Golden State Warriors, like you need that. And he's going to get a lot of three-pointers open with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And he's going to be able to fill out that kind of guard role like Derek White, but a better three-point shooter, better defender. It's just interesting. It's an interesting move. Another number three underrated move, Dante DiVincenzo to the Warriors. Super low-key under the radar. Nobody's talking about that. Very unhappy in Sacramento. They tried to get him twice. It did not work either time. And now we know that the Warriors want Swiss Army knives. And that's what, if you look back at what Dante DiVincenzo did in uh, Villanova, at Villanova during his time to win the chip there, very underrated, active defender, not only on help defense, just off the ball in general, gets his hands in the passing lanes. Pesky, 6'4", but with a pretty long wingspan. He can dunk. He can block. We saw that very marquee block that he had. I think it was in the championship game, if not in the final four. He's not as good of a defender as Gary Payton Jr., but you know what? Or Perry, Gary Payton the second, but you know what? It doesn't really matter. Like, this is what you could afford. Gary Payton's gone. So how are you going to replace him? He's not as good of a three-point shooter. He shoots like 33% from three. But he's much better terms in terms of catch and shoot. 42% on catch and shoot threes. And he's going to be a good 3 and D guy. 6'4", can block, very long, really, really high basketball IQ at a time or in a place where you have to have a pretty good IQ to run complex schemes, which... 
Golden State wants to run. Deflects a ton of balls, tracks the ball really well, insane motor. Not a replacement for Peyton, but I think very underrated signing. Speaking of Gary Payton, Gary Payton to Portland, love it. One, makes Golden State sad. Awesome. Two, makes Damian Lillard happy. Even better. Oakland connection. Gary Payton grew up in Oakland. Dame grew up in Oakland. And those Oakland roots run deep. I think that's very important. He's a Swiss Army knife in ways that I think Chauncey Billups is going to be able to use uh, in really unique situations. He's an insane defender for how small he is. He's got a long wingspan. Pesky. Definitely someone you don't want to defend you if you're a player, right? Like that is something that I think is very important. You can't understate how good he is as a role player. He defends one one through five. He's a very explosive athletic roller. He can get out into transition, get steals, extremely explosive. And when I say he gets steals, like that's an understatement. He had led the league per 36 in steals, 2.8 steals per 36. Put that man in the in the game, coach. On the ball, like I said, he's a total pest. He was one of the main reasons, I think, that Boston lost that series, not just because of his defense, because of his rebounding abilities, because of his ability to roll to the rim and know where things are going to develop. He's in the right spots all the time. He has a nose for how things run. I mean, it's almost like his dad played professional basketball at a very high level. It's almost like that. Exactly the match you would need to play besides Dame since Dame plays no defense, and he is going to lock Dame's up, Dame out, up in practice. Boy, I can't wait to see something like that. I need to know what those practices look like because he's going to be in Dame's asshole, inside of it. Uh, number five. Here's another one nobody's talking about. Josh Koji to the Phoenix Suns. These are like very niche moves, right? Like nobody's really interested in these players, but I think that they're very interesting and will be talked about in the season as as like a linchpin for a team that's looking to elevate from postseason success to getting over the hump, right? He had a down year last year because Anthony Edwards is taking his spot, taking all of his minutes. He can split defenses. He can slash from the perimeter. He's a really good rim runner. He has really good hops. He can play above the rim and dunk. He can block really well, has a nose for the ball, hunts the ball down. He does some of the things that you would hope a guy like Aiton would do. Like, he's not a center. He's not going to be a center, but he can do some of the things that Aiton does well because it looks like Aiton's gone, right? He's going to be really helpful if he's using the right spots. And I think the most important thing is he's 24 years old. He's 24. He reminds me kind of of Isaac Okoro in Cleveland. Plays that, like, tweener role, not like exactly a pure shooter, but definitely somebody that you want to play an integral Jared Vanderbilt type of deal, which is exactly the kind of thing that he likes to do. And he's long. He's 6'4 with a 7 feet wingspan. That's huge. And if he can get settled in the – yeah, I mean, that's big. If he can get settled in the regular season, I think he plays important minutes coming in the playoffs. If he's 6'4, he could play a, like a four spot in a small ball lineup. And I think he can still play defense on, you know, two, three, fours. Another one, pretty much the Wolves as a whole, I like what they did. But Kyle Anderson just ended up departing Memphis in a way that nobody even is speaking about at all. He's kind of like this year's Derek White. Comes from the Spurs system, very boring player, very slow, 
very light skinned, very fundamental. And you know what? Awesome role player. Started a ton of games for Memphis. Very shifty. They call him slow-mo because he literally looks like he's moving through sand. And that's fine. Like, guys who play fast on defense don't know what to do with my man, Kyle Anderson. I honestly consider them the same person. Kyle Anderson, Derek White, I get them confused for each other all the time because their games are similar. They both played for the Spurs at around the same time. And you know what? They're amazing role players. That's what he's going to do. He's not a great three-point shooter, but everyone seems to fall for his for his pump fake. And I don't know why, but everybody seems to fall for it. An annoying player for defenses. He gets his shot off. His arms are so long. He has great body control, great footwork, and he's a really willing passer. Great at passing lobs. I think that's going to be very interesting for Rudy Gobert. I think that's going to be very interesting for Carl Anthony Towns. Really good at passing pocket passes as well. Good bounce passer, especially in tight windows and in like very packed spaces. It's a solid pickup, man. He's going to step right in to a really good role. He had 101, 161 steals last year. Memphis was the number one team uh, in steals last year, and he, he was second on the team at steals. That is something that they're going to need because that was one of the things that the Wolves did really, really poorly. He can handle the ball a little well, uh, and he's got experience. He's very poised. He's going to help this roster a lot, I think, during the playoffs. And John Moran even said, like, that's my dog. I'm going to be missing him. And and you have to understand that if Jaw thinks you're important to a contending team, then he's going to help at a very critical juncture for Minnesota. And I think Minnesota in general, actually, is – a team that has made multiple good moves. Like they got Bryn Forbes. Nobody's kind of, nobody cares about Bryn Forbes, right? But he's a good spot up shooter. This is like, we've talked about this before. This is a league where you need stars and you need capable, competent role players that are versatile. And that's him. That's Bryn Forbes. I think Minnesota has a real shot to be a dark horse next year. Much like Dallas was this year. Love these moves for them. All right, uh, let's look at a few free agent signings out there that have yet to break. Let's look at who and explain what I think is going on there. Number one, number one free agent signing that we need to know what's happening is probably DeAndre, right? He's the white whale of this offseason. The big prize that's actually out there, not the trade prize, but the actual prize that you can go out and get. Connected probably in some way to what's happening with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant looks like he's probably going to Phoenix from what I hear today on Tuesday, July 5th. Probably a three-team trade given that Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton cannot be on the same roster together. There's a lot of chatter that Utah wants DeAndre Ayton. How they're going to get him is going to be complex. Who's getting picks for who? Because Utah is going to want to give Utah's going to want DeAndre Ayton. Suns are going to want something for him back. Kevin Durant's going to get there. But then, okay, so what's going to happen with these pieces moving around like musical chairs? So I think this is going to be really interesting. I think another one that makes a ton of sense is Toronto. He would be amazing in the Nick Nurse scheme. Like, that's exactly the kind of big man they need. They ended up getting Christian Coloco in the draft, which I liked a lot. But Christian Coloco's a rookie. And that this team wants to contend or do anything of note, DeAndre Ayton would definitely help them in that sense. Number two, where is Colin Sexton going to go, man? Like, I don't know. When, when the Cavs signed Darius Garland to five years, $193 million, 
a potential to, to make $231 million. That was supposed to be Colin Sexton's deal. Colin Sexton wanted to be a max player. He ends up tearing some ligaments. I want to say it was the ACL, but it could have been MCL and ACL. And it's an absurd contract that no one thought two years ago Darius Garland was going to get, right? So that means most likely Colin Sexton, who has the same agent as Darius Garland, Clutch Sports, of course, Rich Paul, you're going to say, well, if Darius Garland can get that, then we must be able to get something in the neighborhood of that. Maybe not in the 30s, but maybe in the 20s. Anthony Simon's got something in the 20s, so what's going to happen there? Uh, He's been on a steady downward trajectory since his rookie year. He missed last year, like I said, due to injury. But especially since the team was really good without him and they signed Ricky Rubio to three years, $18 million, another underrated signing that flew under the radar, I guess. I don't know how he fits into the scheme of what they want to do unless he's willing to take like $8 million. And I don't think a guy like Colin Sexton wants to make $8 million. Executives seem to value him at around 10 to 12, which is, wow, that is low. That is really low. Number three, Carmelo. Rumor has it he wants to come back and play for the Knicks. Swan song. Don't hate it. Rum, uh, numbers weren't actually that bad uh, with the Lakers in his final year in Portland. He had 13, 4, and 1. I think he can be an effective three-point shooter. 15 minutes per game, 10 minutes per game. Does it move the needle? No. Do the Knicks fans really want him back? Probably not. But I would like to see him happy. So, Go where you can go, Carmelo, on a on a veteran free agent, veteran minimum contract. Number four, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Dude is out there dropping 38 points against Poland right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In the World Cup qualifiers and still can't get a sniff from an NBA team, turn down the bag from the Lakers, which we talked about a lot on this podcast. Then he ended up taking the mid-level exception from Boston. Then he gets sent to Houston on the de- at the deadline only to watch his former team, Boston Celtics, go to the finals without him. Can he play? I think he can play. Is he a cancer? Probably. Does that mean he would fit in perfectly with the Lakers? Absolutely. And, like, they could get him for cheap, which is what they have to do. The Lakers feel like the best free agent destination for Dennis Schroeder. Crazier things have happened. But I like that move for him. I really, really like that move. A couple of other ones that I think are interesting to discuss. Really quickly, Juancho Hernan Gomez, a.k.a. Bo Cruz, from uh, our movie The Hustle. Possible destination, the only one probably for him, is Minnesota. Minnesota, I don't know if you know this, I just found out this today. Wancho got Ant Edwards the role as Kermit in The Hustle. He was the one lobbying for Ant to play the antagonist in that movie. And so to me, I need Wancho as a role player, 15, 10 minutes. I need the Wancho and Kermit, Bo Cruz, Kermit, like 
uh, roommate situation on the road in Minnesota, I need it. I want to believe this was like maybe special effects what they did, what he did as Bo Cruz, but I think Wancher still has some game. Caleb Martin has not been signed yet. His twin brother Cody got four years, $32 million from the Hornets. Caleb wants a similar deal. Would love him in Portland. He'd be great there. 6'5 wing, shoots 41% from three. Great 3 and D wing. He'd be a, a decent one. He's probably the last one that's available outside of outside of Miles Bridges, which I think it's a wrap for Miles Bridges, honestly. That's that's the consequence of life. But uh, he is only 27 years old. I'd love to see him go back to Miami, maybe Portland. Can't wait to see where he ends up. Uh, finally, Montrez Harrell and Miles My- Bridges still haven't been signed yet. Well, yeah, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. Montrez Harrell was pulled over in, I want to say, Kentucky, Louisville, either Louisiana or Kentucky, either it was Louisville or Louisiana. Bunch of weed, apparently, in his trunk, like a lot, pounds. Uh, so I'm not sure how that charge is going to work out for him, whether he's going to be playing. Interestingly enough, both Charlotte Hornets and Miles Bridges, you can Google what happened with him. He got uh, arrested for some domestic stuff. No, no, no paydays when you have trouble with the law law. So sad, depressing stuff there. That's all that we have. I need moves, though. I need moves like I need air because let's talk about this. Braun announced he was signing with L.A. in 2018, July 1st. Kawhi announced he was signing with the Clippers July 5th. It's You can't get past July 4th without huge moves, huge signings going on. I need them. I need them like air, and I need them yesterday. That's all That's all there that I need to say about that. So let's move over forward to the Kevin Durant saga because we have to talk about it. Even though it's everywhere, it's pretty surreal to think that Kevin Durant has finally asked to be traded officially. That he said, hey, I'm sorry, guys. This thing's not working out. Is this the most monumental trade in NBA history, trade request in NBA history? This would be like if if Kobe Bryant asked out publicly. Because we know he tried to leave LA, but nobody knew until after the fact, right? It's bigger than Harden. It's bigger than Paul George. It's bigger than Kawhi. To me, the only thing on that level would be if, if, if Giannis or Steph asked out right now. And that would be absolutely insane. And what's nuts is that the people in Brooklyn – And fans of the Nets just don't seem to care whatsoever. It's like they're so scarred of bad things happening to them that it's just like another Tuesday. It's just really like nothing is going on. You blipped. It's like you blink your eye. You have three all-stars and top 15 players of our current day. And now you have zero, zero of them. And then you've got Ben Simmons. And um, you're hopefully going to get some picks back that make sense for you for Kevin Durant. I mean, this is so unprecedented. It literally hijacked all of free agency to the point where I think moves aren't even being made for DeAndre Ayton because we know that they're attached or connected to Kevin Durant, right? And should have been what should have been a discussion about like Bradley Beal or Levine or Ayton turned into just chaos, mass chaos. 
Wendy reported that over half the NBA has been looking to get Kevin Durant, and that was before free agency actually began. We discussed this as a possibility about two weeks ago. And rather than give you lots of speculation, I think I'm going to do something that we haven't seen yet. Outline really quickly how we got here. Going back to 2013, really, when all this began. What began, you might ask? The same thing that's happening right now. The demise and crumbling of the Nets franchise as we know it. And it's not that very long after they made that the same disastrous trade that they do it again, right? It was KG. It was Paul Pierce. It was Deron Williams. It was Brooke Lopez. It was Joe Johnson. And if you look back onto how that went down, it's pretty informative because history happens once as a tragedy and twice as farce. Because the second big three of Kyrie, Katie Harden is connected, actually, to the first big three, in my opinion, of KG, Pierce, and Williams. So, okay. So, set your time machine back to 2013, Brock. The first attempt by this franchise to build a big three. They wanted to counter the heat. Stupid. Stupid. You should have known that LeBron James would go somewhere else because that's what he does. He runs from the grind, switches teams. So Nets receive Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, DJ White, Jason Terry. Celtics receive Scrubs and a bunch of picks, 2014, 2016, rights to swap 2017 and 2018. In 2016, that pick becomes Jalen Brown. In 2017, that pick becomes Jason Tatum. In 2018, the Celtics had the number eight pick in the draft. That pick gets rerouted to Cleveland as a part of the trade that becomes Kyrie Irving. I cannot articulate to you how bad that trade was for the Nets and how bad this trade is for the Nets. What looked like, well, the Harden trade mostly, what looked like it was going to be Kyrie and Katie and a bunch of young players, right, with a great culture, turned into no players besides what they get for Kevin Durant, no draft picks besides what they get for KD, and a whole lot of chaos. Everyone wants to give their take on who to blame. Is it Kevin? Is it Kai? Is it Harden? Is it all three of them? And to me, I think you have to look back to how this all began, which is the mentality of getting superstars to win titles. If you look at it as a family, I think Josiah is essentially the father. He's made his billions because of Alibaba, a Chinese company, the Chinese Amazon. And Jack Ma currently, who started Alibaba, has an, a, a net worth of $9 billion, Josai. He bought the nets from a Russian oligarch named Mikhail Prokhorov in 2019. You probably remember Prokhorov because he was the one who did the Josai thing and crashed the nets the first time around. And he did this by not only throwing out huge contracts, but by making sure those star players get taken care of in every way possible. That's what Josiah decided he wanted to do, is to make a very concerted effort into turning the franchise into a fun house of NBA teams to attract star players to want to be there. Cy inherited Sean Marks as GM 
Sean Marks was hired in 2016 and told Prokhorov he was an idiot. Yo, you're an idiot for trying to do this win now thing. He saw the franchise implode and hit just 21 wins. And he said, I was clear in our meeting that if you're looking for a quick fix guy like you did before, then I'm not the guy for you. He hired Kenny Atkinson, Sean Marks. He had this slow, methodical mentality about how to build a team. The Nets became a succeed. They had Jared Allen. They had Spencer Dinwiddie. They had Joe Harris. They had Karis LeVert. He turned Joe Harris into something. Torian Prince, D'Angelo Russell. This team was an absolute blast to watch. And then when Joe Sy bought the team from Prokhorov, win now, baby, was back on the table. So where do you think this mandate came from, given the fact that Sean Marks told Prokhorov, I'm not all about win now? For sure, Joe Sy, right? And from the beginning, it was like, let's go out and get big free agents. Kyrie KD came in 2019. Even though Durant was out the full year, he gets his full salary. Kyrie played 20 games and then went to the bubble and was like, yeah, I can't play in the bubble. Let's start our own league. Let's not even go to the bubble. Kyrie had Atkinson and KD had Atkinson. They pushed him out the door because they didn't want to run wind sprints, right? Just four days before coronavirus, four days before Adam Silver shut down the league, they fired Atkinson. Four days. Coach David Fisdale said this about the firing. When it comes to players with power, your front office has to be really strong. Your culture has to be strong to weather disgruntled players. Tell them kids to fuck off. Settle down. Their little hotheads can go sit in a corner somewhere. We're staying with Kenny Atkinson. He got us to that place. He also says this, you have to be a certain amount of support for your coach when things get turbulent. They wanted to appease those star players. So they allowed Kenny Atkinson to go out the door and then to choose the coach. They chose their teacher in Steve Nash. Star players didn't want a hard-driving, developmentally focused coach when things weren't smooth from day one. How could they be smooth, Brock? Kevin Durant. Out a full year, KD played 20 games, a pandemic hit. What are we talking about? No gelling time, as as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, we just didn't have enough time to gel. Give us some time. By the way, fast forward, Papa Joe decides to do the same thing Prokhorov had done in 2013. As an aside, like I said, Prokhorov said, the the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett deal was one of the biggest business regrets he's ever had in his whole life. Prokhorov, a Russian oligarch, when he says a trade is so bad that it's one of the biggest things that haunts him at night, a Russian billionaire, that's his biggest regret. Do you know what type of moves you need and deals you need to make in order to become a billionaire in Russia? As my mom would say, slit their mother's throat for a loaf of bread. Do you know what you need to do to be a billionaire? That's the thing he regrets most. Not all of the things that you need to do in order to acquire the billions in Russia. Nope. 
those five first-round picks or whatever it was that they had to give to the Boston Celtics, it was that. But this is not as bad as the move that Joe side demanded. So he lets the kids choose the teacher, a guy who is great, a guy who's a two-time MVP, never coached a fucking second in his life. Not once. They went from the strongest player development coach in the league to a guy who's never developed anything outside of a soccer ball. A guy who could be commentating an Edmonton Oilers game tomorrow. No shade. That's facts. How much respect did Steve Nash get when he entered the league? None. Zero. Immediately, Kyrie Irving told the world, I could be coach. I could be coach one day. KD could be coach. We're all pretty much coaches. Like, we're all players, former players. Who cares? Dan Tony's here. He lets us run everything we want. It's all good. Turns out, it wasn't all good. Maybe you don't need a coach for a seven-time All-Star. But a guy right out of the SEC in, in Cam Johnson, Cam Smith, Cam Smith. Get all the Cams confused. He needs to be told what to do. And there's nobody there to shepherd him. Guys like old Andre Drummonds of the world, the LaMarcus Aldridge's of the world, the Blake Griffins of the world, they need coaching to figure out their place in the ecosystem. If they didn't need coaches to figure out their place in the ecosystem and they could consistently be good, they wouldn't be role players. They'd be stars. Role players and veterans need coaching. If Gary Payton, let me ask you this. If Gary Payton II could be and was who he turned out to be with Kenny Atkinson and Golden State, he wouldn't have been sitting on any 10-day contracts, would he? He would have been Gary Payton II making $10 million a year as a role player in this league. Without that, he'd be still on his couch. In other words, the kids need rules. The kids need structure. We saw it when Russell Westbrook went to L.A. and there was no rules. Disaster. Chaos. And we know star players make terrible GMs. Case in point, early in the 2020 season, James Harden, Kevin Durant, in the summer, start plotting. Harden decides he wants out of Houston. Kevin Durant knows Harden from days in OKC, as you know. And you might think Harden's to blame, too. But I actually think Harden was the first one to suss out the things were bad in Brooklyn. Like, I need to get out of here. This is a dumpster fire. Like, the Titanic is ready to go. So in our Brooklyn Nets family analogy, think of James Harden's like the cousin who came to live there for the summer and thought maybe he'd stay for the school year and realized like, no, I got to go back home. And we know how the Harden trade went and how it all devolved because we've talked about it a lot. But Kyrie went on walkabout and Nash had zero explanation. He had not spoken to Kyrie. He didn't say there was anything wrong with it. He was so afraid to talk smack about his star player that we all knew that Steve Nash had no idea what the right moves were. Kevin Durant was hurt in that season. He played only 35 regular season games, which is exactly how many games Harden played as well. Kyrie sprained his ankle, as we know, and they were one shoe print away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, probably the finals. And that was the amazing thing, right? Because the fact that Kevin Durant played 53 minutes in that finals game is all you need to know about how Steve Nash manages his rotations and how close they came with those three at least somewhat in gel. A lot of quick fixes, trying to get Harden a 
fix that turned out to not be so quick after all, right? Fast forward to this season because Kyrie doesn't get the vaccination and the state mandates, and we don't really need to go into that. He only plays. Also, Kevin Durant signs the max deal thinking Kyrie Irving's going to get it. He signed it thinking that same summer Kyrie and him were going to be lined up with extensions and that Harden was going to be lined up with an extension. No, no, baby. No, no. Kyrie's offer gets rescinded. Harden pushes it off and says, I need to wait to see if I'm going to stay for the school year. Uh, summertime still here, folks. I need to just sit back and wait. And I think Harden was the only one who saw what the fuck was happening because multiple times at pressers, Harden saying to the world, I'm going to force Kyrie Irving to get vaccinated myself. Kyrie Irving comes back halftime and Harden's like, this is fucking outrageous. Like, I don't know what's going on. Andrew Wiggins, the Canadian, he's getting vaccinated. Why can't Kyrie? I don't know what is going on. Get me out of here. I need my hookah. I need a New Jersey. And I need to go up the street to Philadelphia. And that's the thing. You can't put all your eggs in one basket with no supporting cast. You can't hire an inexperienced coach and expect him not only to navigate egos, which he did okay, but also coach above bevy of young players and veteran minimum retreads. And then also be lying to the media simultaneous about all the crazy chaos that was happening behind the scenes. So then they trade Harden for Ben Simmons, who's not played a game in, I don't know, 12, over 12 months now. Then, of course, the Nets flame out in the first round, and now Joe Sy's done with Kyrie. Why are you done with Kyrie Irving now? You did everything to put him in a place to enable him to think that he could be the GM, that he could be the coach, that he could not play games, that he could sit out, that he could go on a walkabout, that he could wear no mask to his sister's birthday party and get suspended. All of these things that you gave him the power to do, and now you're like, he's fucking around with my money. And after that, it's clear that things need to be changed and you need to put in some rules into place. And Kyrie Irving's not really wanting those rules to be in place. Daddy wants the kids now to have a curfew. Can they now, can you really blame them for saying we haven't had a curfew this whole time? Fuck off. We'll come home when we want to come home. So who's to blame everyone, but mostly Joe Sy. mostly Joe, Joe Sy because Kevin lobbied to get rid of Kenny, right? Kevin lobbied to bring in Steve Nash, right? He lobbied to trade the whole roster and a bunch of first-round picks for an out-of-shape former superstar who you don't know if he can actually perform. And then when it goes south, he then lobbies to be traded. But you can say no every step of the way to those things. You can say no to getting rid of Atkinson. You can say no to Nash. You can say no to trading for Harden. And you can still have this roster in place. But what we miss in this all is that Kevin can't actually make those decisions, Kenny. That's, it's like when a kid gets fat, like, a, like you see childhood obesity. Do we blame the kid? No. It's the parents giving the kid the food. It's the people in place making sure that the kid is supposed to get nutrition or not. You can't have cake before breakfast, Kevin. I'm sorry. No, you cannot. Absolutely not. I don't care that you really want it. No, you cannot trade Jared Allen for four first and for four for four first round picks for James Harden. I don't care that Kyrie Irving's on walkabout. We do not need another point guard. We need a rim protector. No, we can't put on we can't put on DeAndre Jordan on our roster for ten million dollars a year. That's when I knew things were fucked up. Right then, I was like, they get to bring their washed friend for ten million dollars a year. Wow, do they run the team? Sheesh. 
So to me, the soft balls on Joe's side. Kyrie's made bad decisions. KD's made bad decisions. Sean Marks is the GM. But Joe Sy is one of the most active decision makers in all of basketball ownership, and Joe Sy should take every single bit of blame. And you know what? Joe Sy is the one telling everyone who has season tickets, you're not getting any refunds. Joe Sy is the one who is saying, I have to keep some semblance of money for this dog shit franchise that I ran into the ground that nobody even cares about in their own city. And at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever it takes to preserve the value of his franchise and keep the money flowing. And maybe that means not trading Kevin Durant at all. And maybe that means finally saying, fuck you. Where does this all go? Somehow I think Kyrie makes his way to the Lakers. And somehow I think they still don't make the playoffs. And third, I think the Brooklyn Nets will be a lottery team for a very long time. And they won't have their picks until the next two administrations from now. Two administrations from now, 2028, bro. That's when I can hear Tillman Fertitta, the Houston Rockets owner, laughing in Houston all the way from District of Columbia. And you know what? Turns out the man with the shrimp forks pretty smart. That he didn't want any. He didn't want any players. He just wanted all those picks and all those pick swaps. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode from Summer League in Vegas. Follow us. For all the reviews of rookies that you can handle, I'm going to be going to every single game. I'm going to be talking to all of the reporters and beat people and news breakers, GMs, coaches, all of them. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one, and follow us on social at this Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok. Deuces, guys. Wish me a safe flight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.